to two nights of music and resistance in honor of Berta Cáceres. Honduras wrote to singer Carla Lara with Afro-Indigenous author Melissa Cardosa will perform 13 colors of the Honduran resistance, stories of women resisting brutal repression and finding unyielding hope. This event happens on May 3rd at 7 p.m. at the Redstone Building, 2940 16th Street in San Francisco and May 4th at 7 p.m. at Soul Space, 1714 Telegraph Avenue in downtown Oakland. Both events will benefit Eco Viva, who supports the Council of Indigenous and Popular Organizations of Honduras. Both events will be bilingual and are wheelchair accessible. For more information, visit ecoviva.org or call 510-835-1334. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is a minute past 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule Learned in school, get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in love. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is May the 2nd, 2017. I'll be gone for the next three Tuesdays during our fundraising drive, our money marathon. It's always about the money, I guess. The great god Moloch that Allen Ginsberg rages against. I do hope you'll be able to help us raise the money to keep the store open here. <laughs> With a lean and hungry look on some of our staff persons, I think, you know, the money, the money is always the big story, has been at least since Ronnie Reagan 1980. That's reality. 1980 was the year my older son was 20. <laughs> I thought that he should major in history, but he chose economics. I said, uh, but my child, you, you must learn about where we came from. The past is always present. You know, hell, you know, it isn't even past. <laughs> Most people... Uh, can't see things that way. They don't understand why we are the way we are, how things accumulate and add up. They don't know what hit them. <laughs> what is the American 
mythos, do you think? Uh, anyway, uh, mythos. Is it our myth? What is, we all have different ones anyway. He said to me, he said, uh, you want the mythos? He said, our mythos is economics, and that's been uh, the mythos of every age, even the ethos, uh, especially this one, Moloch, Moloch, I suppose. He could see, uh, looking at his mother, who was always broke, uh, I still am, <laughs> the victim of a liberal education. That's my problem. From 1980 until the election of D.J. Trump. Ah, it's been all about the money. I used to go to poetry readings with a sign that said, Make money funny. <laughs> the joke, joke's dead. And now, now my, my beloved country has transformed itself the election of D.J. Trump <laughs> I guess well I don't like to wring my hands and go on and on about how uh, we have become loveless and joyless uh, not all of us you know uh, I just look around and I see so many young, young people. They're either exhausted, exhausted from overwork, you know, or they're, let's see, uh, uh, they're scared and anxious. They're on the street or uh, struggling somehow. Mm. I remember once reading that about 15 hours a week is, is what... The working hours of Stone Age, man, that's about right, 15 hours in maximum anyway. I think that what has happened in my time is that we're not much use to each other. Uh, I was raised in one of those corny eras where you spent half your time cooking for others or taking care of somebody. Uh, nowadays, uh, we still do, of course, but we have to pay top dollar I'm not trying I'm not saying that things were more fun in the old days um, but uh, actually I kid you not they were but that was just for me uh, I I said my favorite New Yorker cartoon a couple of guys saying things were so much better back when they were worse there was a party then I, I don't know how to describe um I keep thinking it was just because I was younger, but most of the time, there was something on. You know, we had uh, private lives. Uh, I mean, you know, we would just yawn and say, oh, God, government business. Don't be boring. Uh, <laughs> In those days, we celebrated Labor Day on May the 1st. And we had parties, honest to gosh. Uh, once upon a time, yes, workers of the world unite. The great red star, the socialist dream. And it wasn't so long ago, Bernie Sanders remembers when I was born in 1933, Franklin Roosevelt believed that social welfare was a damn good idea. Even, even rich folks. No, well, you know, people like the Roosevelts, they could see that 
a shared fate was kind of inevitable. Uh, the fate of the state demands a recognition of our shared destiny. Yes, all in the same boat. Oh, it's all cliches. Uh, but the rich did know then about noblesse oblige. They had read their history books. That is, uh, they knew that uh, we must love one another uh, <laughs> or get our throats cut sooner or later. The have-nots will turn, turn on the fat cats. And then there will be this guillotine. You remember the guillotine? They invented that uh, in France. Oligarchies take many forms, you know. Whether it's despots and tyrants or robber barons, slave masters, kings and czars, the pharaoh and the peasant. Uh, some of us thought, well, a few of us thought that liberal democracy was going to really change political realities. And by gosh, it did. It did, it did, it did. Until just recently... There was a big swing there late in the 20th century and things were looking great. We were slouching towards socialism, you know, a lot of Western democracies coming to the party. It all made sense, you know. Compassion is really just self-interest if you think about it. Civilization is not a frill. You know, you got to, you got to plan things, but I've come to a kind of, what is that, a kind of a plateau. I find that uh, being a wordsmith doesn't help me. Words just aren't working for me. I write them all down, words, words, you know. Magna Carta, Bill of Rights. People's Republic of China's actually got more freedoms, more rights in their little constitution. The 21st century needs a whole new language. And a lot of it is coming to us in visual images, in new ways of thinking. Orwell did try to show us how easily language can lie as lies, damn lies and statistics. This week, I've been saying over and over again uh, the word shame, shameful Americans feel shame because D.J. Trump has none. He is shameless utterly, non compus mentis, not mentally competent. <laughs> anyway, um, as David Remnick says in The New Yorker, David Remnick's the editor of The New Yorker, in the May 1st issue, he says, uh, in Talk of the Town, he talks about Donald Trump and says, he has set fire to the integrity of his office. Indeed, 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 shame. When I used the word shame in the past, it had entirely different connotations. You remember... Uh, even if you're not as old as I am, uh, 
you know how it was, that people wanted to get rid of shame and guilt, you know. Wanted to be free of all those awful old feelings, you know, those repressions, all those things that kept us from happiness. Uh, I used to work at a feminist press. We called it the Shameless Hussy here in Berkeley. We published radical books written by women who were tired of being ashamed and a feminist fist in the air. Too many of us were becoming cynics. Cynicism comes when you're tired of being ashamed and tired of being humiliated as we were in the 1950s, as we have been pretty much throughout uh, modern times. We thought it was time, time for women to tell the truth about their lives. <laughs> yes, Muriel Rockhauser said, if we did that, the world would split open. Uh, I tried telling the truth about men's lives, and that nearly got me killed. Nothing is more dangerous, uh, you know, than saying what men do. Of course, some of it, some of it, uh, some of it got across. Uh, uh, still, other folks set out to build up the wall to fortify the status quo even more. You know, we just kind of showed them where <laughs> where to do it. You know, patriarchy demands that women remain under control at all times. Behave yourselves. Behave yourselves. Sharia law is making a comeback. <laughs> on that wonderful show, Vice, I saw a segment on Indonesia. It seems that uh, that tsunami back in 2004 gave the extremists an excuse. They said God is punishing us for our sins. 230,000 people died. So, bring back Sharia law. <laughs> madness. Sheer madness. And, of course, reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's got to be in the hands of the state. Otherwise, women will go about playing God, you know. Uh, it's all, all right there. And these days, it's all on the evening news. Women's sexuality uh, was or is, is not just shameful, it's subversive. We know that. Doesn't matter what we know. I used to think it did. I used to think the truth could not be known and not be understood and acted upon. Uh, okay, I have this problem. The other day I was talking to a woman and she told me that she preferred love to freedom. And I thought about that. and I did say that I didn't think that it was one or the other, that it was both and. And she said it would be okay when Elizabeth Warren was uh, elected president in 2020. Elizabeth Warren's out on the barricades. I saw her on the Bill Maher show. <laughs> anyway, personally, I'm going to take it all one day at a time. The world just aches with anger and pain and anxiety and violence. Ah, ha, ha. But that's only part of it. Only part of it. My footnote says that never before in human history have so many lived so well or had so much joy. I guess 
I guess, yes, uh, I think it's Fitzgerald who says, test of first-rate intelligence is the capacity to hold opposing ideas in the mind at the same time and continue to function. That's it. <laughs> the way I see it. It's Eros 7, Thanatos 9. Yes, I think, I think they're getting ahead of us. Better yet, I think, uh, Feminist 7, Fascist 9. How about that? Uh, oh, what fresh hell is going to uh, come out of Washington, D.C. this next week. As I said, I'll be gone for three Tuesdays. I hope I get back here. I hope that uh, there are no fascisti waiting in the wings. Uh, Ah, Alice Walker wrote that the secret of joy's resistance as the woman's march the day after the inauguration has been uh, seen as hopeful. Yes, that it's a wake-up call and we really are coming coming alive again, you know. The way it was, I I still I still think of the 60s as the the last time I felt alive. Ah, oh, last night I dug in my files. I wanted to find words. Words. I went back to the worst days of George W. Bush. <laughs> I filed poems under um, two headings. Either a lament or a praise song. The laments seem to be timeless. Back in those days, cafe society <laughs> was... Very, very, very uh, mournful. We sat in the Café Mediterranean and uh, wept over the war in Iraq. Uh, most of us felt that it was America's worst mistake. Or was that Vietnam? I, I seem to forget. Uh, oh, I won't have time. I have a list of 18 films. Oh, golly. Never mind. Maybe I'll have time to get to them. Let me... Let me run by you one, one bit of nostalgia. Let's see. It's dated 1999. Who were we then? What were we? It's called Neither the Honey Nor the Bee. That's a uh, line from Sappho. Neither the Honey nor the bee Sappho knew a thing or two. She knew honey can be poison, and the killer bee is headed north. Cover your ass, citizens. Civilization is winding down. Too much millennium in our diet? Swing, said Sappho, but watch your head, baby. Ceilings are lower these days. Doesn't Buy a lot, all that money in the honey pot. We got what we toasted two dollars in a graveyard plot. Many thousands gone. Murder in old Mesopotamia. Theology is destiny. Surplus prophets command the blood feuds beneath the cedars of Lebanon. Smoke blinds the babies, and oil fires light the night. Uh, 
Biblos. Biblos is the site of the temple. And all that matters is the money. Icons bleed like hearts, cracking like social contracts, Kalimaya with an axe to grind, with a race in mind, harlot from hell, mother of masochists, whore of war, of Babylon, of end-timers come to put us all to bed. Nighty-night, good night, ladies, a queen bee, old biological imperative, breeding and birthing these swarms of sadists, riding the four horsemen of the apocalypse across the desert of thought. Just part of the plot, nature of things. The way of the world, same old, same old, merry-go-round downtown, and the cairns, the little tombs, cairns, on the burnt path of history. The written record, the pages and pages of people, of time, of the little story of man. Zen, then, on the stone road to when we are no more. To that day when the earth is clear, empty of art and books and mozzarella and movies and blue eyes and blood feuds. When the sand has done to the pyramids what prions do to our brains. Sex is to love as words are to thought. In the grave, no honeypot. <laughs> hmm. There's so many more uh, pages and pages. I, I, I sometimes wonder... Uh, once at a reading, an old friend, a uh, kind of famous poet, she said to me, she said, Jennifer, who needs another wasteland? Come off it. <laughs> yes, yes, brightness falls from the air. Lesbians have died young and fair. <laughs> oh, beatitude trumps attitude, I guess. I guess I think there is no help coming. Ah, oh, no side and empty eyes. No big brother at all. Ah, uh -huh. no more bedtime stories and no more holding hands. Just the tin cup and the TV. And let's not kid ourselves. We were never innocent, not in my lifetime. I think I still have just five minutes to tell you about all these wonderful, wonderful escape, escapist films, the screen, the screen. I'm just 
too old to get out in nature. That's the thing that really cheers a person up. Get out in the woods. This wonderful weather. Ah, oh, I just sink down. Uh, let's see. What have we got tonight? You can see genius Tuesday nights. Aha. Uh-huh. Jeffrey Rush and Emily Watson in a series about Albert Einstein. You remember Einstein. He's the one who said, two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity, and I'm not sure about the universe. Anyway, Genius, uh, the show is on cable TV. Wait, wait, it's on cable TV, but it's Fox. Fox, oh dear. Now, if that puts you off, well, uh, I doubt if Rupert Murdoch or the other Fox executives pay any attention to the biopics and dramas and so forth. Um, uh, still, uh, Fox News remains on my list of false news. And, uh, well... Uh, I believe you should know your enemy. He defines your position. Anyway, uh, yes, my favorite when it comes to the news is Vice. Uh, I just spoke of that segment on Sharia law in Indonesia. That was blood curdling. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, last night, Noam Chomsky on C-SPAN. Hope is the thing with feathers. I keep hoping. And uh, let's see, I think I've talked about the movie about Emily Dickinson, A Quiet Passion. Cynthia Nixon as Emily Dickinson. (laughs) And then the documentary, um, well, sort of documentary. It's taken from James Baldwin's book, I Am Not Your Negro. That's uh, a Baldwin homage. Let's see, Margaret Atwood's book, The Handmaid's Tale, is coming as a series. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, Something started Sunday night called American Gods. Oh, my God. Hard to recommend as it's kind of, kind of, well. Uh, My favorite, favorite actor, Ian McShane, he's wonderful. He plays the devil, of course, uh, and uh, it's all about the war of the old gods, you know those, uh, the ones that uh, are going out of fashion. They are at war with the new gods, the gods of technology. (laughs) Anyway, uh, there's another series ending, the last season is ending, uh, last uh, season of Leftovers of kind of interesting show it it bogs down but Scott Glenn is good he's out in Australia trying to save the world from uh, the holocaust the flood that sort of thing uh, leftovers is all about uh, the second coming another Jesus Christ is wandering around the world anyway uh, before the flood they have to get things back in order uh, so that they know who they are yes uh huh the funny thing, of course, is that uh, they, in in the beginning, that is, before the show began, there was a rapture. And uh, I think 2% of the world's human beings simply disappeared. And, of course, that caused some waves. Anyway, Leftovers are very popular. I'm not sure about it. I, 
I can't help it. I just retreat and I go to the stories about the Tudors, the Elizabethans. It is about politics, really. Same politics. There are four series about the Elizabethans. There's Wolf Hall. That's the very best about um, Thomas Cromwell. And then there's, uh, well, there's a series called The Tudors. Now they're called the Borgias, but that's Italy. And now we have the White Princess and the White Queen. All about the 15th century, the Tudors, the War of the Roses. Okay. Oh, golly. Concussion, confirmation, a movie called Race. Uh, oh, golly. Eighteen more. I don't know. I never like to... Uh, recommend uh, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Sachs Lacks L-A-C-K-S L-A-C-K-S Check that one out It's got Oprah Winfrey This has been Jennifer Stone Till next time Go easy And if you can't Go easy Go as easy as you can You are invited to Hipline's third annual Shimmy Pop-A-Thon, Saturday, May 6th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. All are invited to join us for this choreographer-led dance party in the sun, featuring our signature Shimmy Pop class style set to fresh DJ fun tunes. The Shimmy Pop-A-Thon is a benefit for Oakland Elizabeth House. This wheelchair-accessible event is hosted by Hipline's Love Club, and takes place at 3270 Lakeshore Avenue in Oakland. For more information, call 510-893-1070. Find us on the web at www.myhipline.com. Hipline exists to inspire and empower women through movement and nurtures